Are you full of health and wellness information yet struggling to implement into your daily life? Or do you have your health sorted out but struggling to integrate it with your other areas of your life? We've surveyed a number of Wellness Couch fans and recognize that this is the biggest challenge that most of you face in daily life. How do you turn your knowledge into action and a lifestyle? Enter the Wellness Breakthrough. For three days and two nights in February, eight of your Wellness Couch favorites are gathering in Melbourne for one incredible event, and we just have three spots left. Entry to the Wellness Breakthrough is by application only. To apply, simply go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. And apologies in advance if you apply and we're all sold out. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I've got a very special guest on That Paleo Show. You've had my parents a couple of weeks ago. This time, you've got me as the guest. So rather than having a slightly strange show where I sit here and interview myself, because that'd be kind of odd, I figured I'd get some of our favorite co-hosts back on the show to help me out. So welcome to the show, Steve and Sarah. Yay, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So excited to have you guys back. It's been too long. It was only a matter of time, though, till I found a good enough excuse to convince you to come back on. So I'm glad I've finally found it and glad to have you guys back on board. Uh, it's cool to be back. Thanks, DB, DBH. <laughs> <laughs> so we are really excited to have a chat to you, Brett, because you've got some pretty big news. Um, and that is what I have. Been I have. I've, I've been writing a new book. It's so funny because literally when I finished my last book, everyone's like, so when are you writing another book? And I was like, I'm not writing another book. What are you talking <laughs> about? I put everything in my first book. I don't have anything left to talk about. Um, and I've since realised that I actually do have more stuff to talk about. In fact, I think I've now got lots more stuff to talk about. So this might not be the last one. But this one was one that was the, probably the thing that I was absolutely most passionate about. Something that I just almost couldn't not write. And, and it's the kind of thing that I kind of feel like if this was my legacy, if this was the only thing I did from here on in, I would be so happy that I've put this book together. So my book is Nourish Without Nagging. It's all about how to get your kids to love eating healthily. Um, and it's just full of information about stuff that I've done with my kids, stuff that I've learned through my journey as a chiropractor, as a wellness expert, helping other people make change, particularly helping families make change. And then a whole bunch of extra research I've done very specifically into healthy kids eating as well and just sort of bundled it all together into this package to really help families, uh, but even adults, even other people are finding that they can actually use the same strategies to get great results. But particularly families, particularly kids, to eat a bit healthier, which is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I was really curious about with this book, Brett, and um, as someone who's grown up perhaps without that focus on health food as the predominant source of, of nourishment, you know, there, there are people out there that might say, well, I grew up with, you know, just eating what I ate and, and I turned out okay. Yeah. So what, what would you say... Uh, to those people or what's the motivation for those people that think well you know what it's cool for my kids to have pasta um, you know four nights a week and two minute noodles for for lunch why why was this book so important for you well I think my answer to those people generally is that if you do what's common you'll get the same you'll get the common results and the common results in our society now 
are not great. You know, when you look at adults, you see that almost four out of five people in Australia are chronically ill. They've got some sort of health condition that's been going on for longer than six months. You know, you look at kids, you know, you see that 41% of kids under 15 have already got some sort of chronic health condition. Right? Four, four in ten. That's unbelievable. Right? You see that over 40% of kids have used medication in the last two weeks. You know, that's now become almost the norm. You know, we see all these stats around obesity. Right? 23% of 5 to 14-year-olds are overweight or obese. So, and you know, what we're seeing as a result of that is just a huge array of health conditions and, and chronic health conditions happening at a younger and younger age. And, and when we look at what we're actually doing around food and what we're eating, they reckon 6% of Australian adults and even less kids eat the recommended amounts of fruits and vegetables. So, and the, the recommended amount isn't actually that much. Like we're, we're starting from a pretty low expectation there. And so the fact that only 6% of the population are meeting even those mega guidelines is pretty scary. So, so I think that the results we're getting suggest that we just have to do something different. Absolutely. You touched on some pretty scary statistics there, Brett. And I know that when I was teaching, it was certainly evident in the classroom with the kids Mm. and the way that the nutrition impacted their learning, uh, which is a real disservice to what they're capable of, you know, for their future selves. So I'm curious, what are some of the common lies or myths that you hear about children's nutrition? Oh, where do you start? (laughs) There's so many of them. But firstly, I just want to touch on something you mentioned there. You're talking about how the kids go at school. Mm. And I think it's really important for understand that that's the kind of stuff that it's all about. Like, I'm, I'm not talking here about, like, weight loss. You know, it's, yeah. it's not about the chronic health conditions. It's, it's actually about the kids being able to get out of life what they want to get out of life. You know, whether that's doing well academically at school, you know, whether that's being able to just get out and play sport, whether it's being able to get out into nature, you know, whatever it is that they want to do when they grow up, whatever it is that they love to do, it's actually about creating an environment where they're actually capable of doing and achieving those things that they want to achieve. So... I think that's really important. But, you know, I think the, the myths around kids eating, you know, there are so many of them. You know, all you need to do is switch on kids' TV in the mornings to see all the mm-hmm. myths around kids eating. I mean, you know, the huge one that we all grew up with was that you have to have a massive carb-laden breakfast in order to survive throughout the day and to fuel your brain so that you'll do well at school. You know, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, you get a huge load of carbs and sugars first thing in the morning you burn that so quickly yeah. that you're crashing by mid-morning, let alone mid-afternoon. So that's probably one of the biggest ones, I reckon, is just that, you know, brain fuel, how many do you do, you know, Iron Man food, all yeah. of those myths that we have around breakfast, let alone lunch and dinner. Which probably brings me to my next question, uh, Brett. One of the things that you, I think you, you really need to commit to when you decide to embark on a healthy lifestyle is to invest a little bit of time in prep you need to prioritize your food preparation to set yourself and your family up for success so i was curious what are some of your favorite lunchbox fillers oh lunchbox see i deliberately avoided putting recipes in my book because (laughs) i'm not great at recipes i am such a simple cook i do everything very simply in my house so I deliberately made my book all about how to get kids to eat healthy, not necessarily what to give them, because I figured that probably most of the parents out there know better than me. what they, They've probably got better recipes than I've got, <laughs> but I can help them motivate their kids to want to eat the good stuff. But having said that, my lunchboxes are really simple. Like seriously, most of the time my kids go to school with some cold meat, some fruit, some vegetables, just, just cut up raw, you know, and a couple of extra pieces of fruit. If they're really lucky that day, you know, I might have made some nut balls, I might have made you know, a, a chocolate, you know, a raw chocolate brownie or, you know, something like that that they get to take along with them as well. 
But really, most of the time, it's very, very simple. Simple is good. It means that it's doable. And um, something I really loved about your book, I felt like it channeled a little bit of the how to eat an elephant in terms of the simplicity. Yeah. Um, and I think that that made it really um, appealing for people to, to take it on board and start following some of your advice. So I'm curious to know, what can people expect if they read your book and start implementing some of your advice? What can they expect to see in their kids, you know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? Yeah, well, look, the honest answer I reckon to that is I don't know. Because when I wrote the book, my thinking around the book was all about creating longer-term strategies. Like, my thinking was... You know, it's not as important what your kid's doing in a week's time as it is what your kid's doing in a month's time or a year's time or five years' time, right? I, I want to help parents teach their kids strategies that they can stick with them for the rest of their life so that they can grow up with a really great, healthy relationship around food so that they can nourish themselves, so that they can figure out for themselves what works for them and what doesn't. So my idea around the book when I wrote it was that it was much more of a longer-term game. And, and I talk about that very much during the book. Um, having said that, having now passed the book on to parents and gotten them to try it and see what happens, because you know, obviously, to make sure I got the book right, I, I've not just written the book, but I've then gone back and reviewed it. I've got other people to review it. You know, I've had a psychologist look over it to make sure it was all really good, healthy advice. You know, I had Damien Christoph look over it. I had Cindy O'Meara look over it. But I also had some parents look over it and and do these strategies with their kids and. To be honest, I was blown away with how quickly they were seeing changes within their families. So one of the mums said to me that she went, within, in the space of a week, went from having a child who was basically eating bread and pasta and, and just couldn't get to eat anything more complicated than that, to by the end of the week having a meal of chicken and salad and vegetables and eating a lot. Um, wow. And so apparently the changes can happen a whole lot quicker than even I thought. So... Um, you know, in terms of being able to get those quality foods and, and whatever those quality foods are, you know, we've used chicken and salad there, but, you know, different people are going to have different, I guess, lifestyle choices of how they want to feed their kids. But but whatever that is, and, you know, the thing is, I think every parent has something that they'd love their kids to be eating that they're not currently eating. So, you know, you don't have to be a nutritionist to figure out some stuff that you'd love to add into your kid's diet. And this is just a tool for helping make that easier, making it less of a battleground but actually getting your kids on board and kind of on the same team as you um, so that you can do it together, which I think is really fun. And isn't that the best gift that you can give to your kids? I mean, isn't it funny how we react when we arrive at the point of crisis in, in today's age? Yeah. And the thing I really like about what you're doing with this book is you're saying, well, hey, look at these crazy stats of where we are now. We have arrived at the crisis. And so really the, the way that it's swinging is that prevention is, is where we need to be really uh, focusing and prioritising our effort on and, and harnessing that motivation that we have when we're in crisis point, but instead going right back to the beginning of the journey and saying, what can we do now? And that's what's really exciting about this book. And you, you mentioned there uh, you've had a psychologist look over it. And what I, was, uh, what I really liked about the book is how you constantly will always talk about the positive reinforcement way to to motivate children but the cool thing is you don't shy away from uh, explaining why that's that's beneficial like you'll say here's the positive reinforcement because you don't want to go down this path so why was it important to to address both sides like that well I think I think you just need to keep it real for parents you know you don't want to set up 
unrealistic expectations for parents around you know what it's like to get your kids to eat healthy and that you know that your kids are going to be perfect all the time or that you know so i think it's important to discuss both sides of it because some parents are really motivated by what they can move towards some parents are really motivated by what they can move away from mm. um and and that's the same kind of in all aspects of life so i think you know by covering both bases by by talking about it from both perspectives it really helps people understand what's possible um, but also perhaps what might happen a little bit less if they start to make some changes as well and i think you know they can sort of equally motivate but but also like i said understanding that you know no parents are perfect no kids are perfect you know my kids don't eat perfectly um, my kids aren't you know they're not like begging me for broccoli every single day right <laughs> like they still have their moments as well and so um, i think it's really important to be real with it because mm. You know, as much as what we're talking about with the kids, a lot of what I'm talking about is really kind of like truth and consequences. Like you're talking to the kids about, you know, what the options are and then what will happen if they take each of those options and helping them understand why they would want to take the healthier option, um, which is a really revolutionary way to start sort of having these conversations with kids. But but I guess I was just doing the same thing with the parents as well, is, you know, giving them the truth and consequences of like, you don't have to do any of the stuff in this book. These are all just suggestions mm. that may or may not work for you and your family, but here's some options and, and here's what I find tends to happen when you do it and here's what I find tends to happen when you don't. But I'm not going to tell parents how to parent their kids or how to raise their kids because that's their decision. Um, we've spoken about on the, on the podcast before about the positive reinforcement, you know, saying like, this broccoli is going to help you jump really <laughs> high on the trampoline and those sorts of things. And yeah. I like, I like that, uh, that theory and that it makes an appearance as well. Um, you mentioned there that it's very real, you know, like your kids are going to go to birthday parties. They're going to have those certain times of the year where that, that kind of treat food or whatever is going to be available for them. Can you tell us about the, the arrangement that you've created with your kids where when they uh, get handed that stuff, yeah. what uh, what can they cash it in for? How, what tell yeah. us about that? So, so this has happened mostly with Tom because he's a little bit older, but it's happening now with Charlotte as well, which is that if they do go to like a kid's birthday party, for example, something like that, or the, the latest example was Christmas time. So at Christmas, my parents uh, gave Tom a little money box and they actually didn't realise that inside the money box were these lollies. And so Tom opened up the money box, pulled out the bag of lollies, held it up, looked at me excitedly and said, Dad, I can swap this for Lego. <laughs> so he was pumped about getting a bag of lollies, not because he wanted to eat the bag of lollies, but because he knew that he could swap it for Lego. And so there's this whole, like the background to that is this whole long series of conversations I've had with Tom about the difference between lollies and Lego, right? And so the conversation basically goes that, well, you can eat those lollies, and if you eat those lollies, you're probably going to enjoy them while you eat them, right? Because you've got to be real about it. Like, they taste good. They're sugar. They're like, buzz you up. You feel good whilst you're eating it. But I'm like, but you know, that night, the next day, you're probably not going to feel so good. You might get a bit tired. You might get a bit grumpy. You might not sleep so well. Your tummy might get a bit upset. You know, you might end up you know, with a cough or a cold a week later, you know, whatever it is. We talked to him about what would happen if he had that. Um, not saying that that happens every time or that's, you know, whatever, but, but just he, so he understands that that's how it affects his body. And I also talk to him in, in terms around, you know, whatever it is that's sort of motivating him at the moment. So if it's like he just wants to, you know, ride his bike, you know, he's got a new bike at the moment, big boy's bike. And so it's like, well, that's not really giving you the fuel to help you ride your bike or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And then the converse of that is I say, well, look, the cool thing about the Lego is you get this Lego, you're going to love it now because it's really fun. But you can still play with the Lego tonight. You can still play with the Lego tomorrow. You can still play with it the next week. So in the longer run, 
you're going to get way more benefit from the Lego than you are from the lollies. And so it's this whole conversation changer around you know, thinking of food and, and thinking of all, you know, not just the food, the, the toys, the whole lot, from a more longer-term perspective, which really helps them make that decision for themselves, which is kind of cool. And that's the real power, isn't it? You know, teaching someone to make the right choice and them wanting to make the choice. Yeah. It's fantastic. I love that you touched on, you know, not wanting to do the parenting for other parents. And I think that's so important. And I think with your book, you struck a really beautiful balance um, and simplicity of giving the advice, but in a non-judgmental way. And it was very evident, Brett, that you're clearly a parent yourself with two beautiful <laughs> children. Um, so I'm curious, that's obviously research in itself. Um, but what other research went into this book? Take us through the process, you know, what got you started? Well, I think obviously what got me started was just having two little kids and thinking, hey, I want to give these guys the best start I can in life. You know, I want to make sure I'm doing everything I can to not just feed them healthy stuff because, you know, you quickly realize that, well, I can feed them healthy stuff when they're at my house, you know, when I'm making them food. But at some stage, they're going to go out in the real world and be making their own decisions. You know, at some times they're going to be at someone else's house, they're going to be at a party, they're going to be in totally different situations where really I have little to no control over what they're going to be eating and that if I don't teach them how to choose for themselves what they want then then I'm kind of not doing my job is, is how I thought of it and so I guess I started thinking about it from that perspective and, and the interesting thing was what I realized was that a lot of the strategies that I kind of just innately started adding in and using for my kids were things that I'd learnt as a chiropractor or as a wellness expert, you know, I'd, I'd read heaps of books and learned so many different strategies for helping motivate people to want to make change in their own health and in their own life that I realized that actually I could use all of those same strategies and use them to help kids make change as well, which was really fascinating. And, and the only difference then was really figuring out the difference between the adult's motivators and the kid's motivators. Because, you know, you can, might talk to an adult about not getting chronic disease later on in life, right? But a five-year-old mm. could not care less, right? But their motivator, as I said before, it might just be playing cricket. You know, it might be, you know, dancing beautifully like a ballerina, whatever it happens to be that's motivating them. And then the other interesting thing was, as I then went in and started researching and reading more about this and, you know, reading websites and reading books and really getting into studying this, the, the kids' psychology stuff particularly, was that I realised that, the fascinating thing was a lot of the stuff I was then learning about how to get kids to do stuff was actually going back the other way and becoming <laughs> applicable to helping adults want to learn stuff and make changes as well. So it's kind of interesting how it went both ways. So I think I heard book number two on its way there, <laughs> the one for the adults. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Brett, I like to always have some take home. Yeah. So, you know, what are the people that are reading this book, what are they going to get out of it? What's some practical steps that they'll be able to take well, I think, I think the practical step that you get out of this is the ability to have better discussions with your kids. You know, it's, it's the ability to actually sit down with your kids and converse with them and, and as I said, get them on board in the process. And, and that happens in heaps of ways. Like I've already spoken about, you know, getting them on board and helping them see what their why is and getting them on, the, on board in that regard. But, but other things like just how to, how to role model for your kids, you know, mm. and, and the fact that role modeling actually is not just eating the food with your kids. Role modeling starts right from the start. So role modeling might be planting something in the garden. You know, role modeling might be taking your kids with you to the supermarket and showing them how you pick certain stuff, why you pick certain stuff, getting them to help you pick certain stuff. Like, hey, Tom, can you go and get me three sweet potatoes? Right? And of course, the first time they're like, well, I don't even know what a sweet potato is. But, and so, you know, just involving them in the cooking process, involving them, even just setting the table, sitting down to dinner with you, 
involving them in the whole process right through, you know, things like that can actually make a huge difference. And, and there's some really great you know, research in psychology that shows that by engaging the kids in the process right from the start or you know, engaging people in a process right from the start, like you see this online, right, where someone's like, sign up for my free ebook, and then later on I'll try and sell you something more. Right? Yeah. And it's because the act of you getting that free ebook is the first little step of you making a decision. And, and the act of you making that first little decision makes you far more likely to make the big decision later on. And so it's the same thing where if you like get your kids to come plant the mint with you in the garden, then they're much like more likely at the end of that whole process to eat whatever you put the mint into. Yeah. I like that. And one of the things that I'm curious about, Brett, because this is, uh, this is a very real concern out there and we're seeing it these days as well, is um, what, are, what are some of, you know, we've spoken about the do's when it comes to positive reinforcement. We've spoken about motivating them to want to eat healthy. Where, where can this go wrong? Where can this create anxiety for, around food for children and how can that be avoided? Yeah, that's such an important question. And that's something that I was so careful of in terms of this book was that I really wanted to make sure that it was teaching kids healthy behaviours and, and a healthy relationship with food. Mm. And I think the key to that is helping kids love to eat food, right? So what we're not doing then is making kids feel guilty. You know, we're not blaming kids for whatever they eat. We're not getting angry at kids for whatever they eat. We're not, letting, we're not telling them that it's wrong. We're not telling them that they can't eat certain stuff. Um, you're actually just empowering them to make more positive choices. And so by doing it in that way, by, by getting them on board, by, by showing them how to figure it out for themselves... You're actually helping them create a really positive relationship with food. You're helping show them how they can nourish their body and look after their body and actually love their body rather than hating their body or blaming their body or feeling guilty or you know whatever that happens to be. So I think by doing it in this really positive way, by, by sort of flipping this around and, and actually motivating your kids to want to do it for themselves because they love themselves, I think that completely flips that equation around. Yeah, so important. I think the maze of information around food is crazy and unfortunately mm. people can obsess and it's good to see that healthy approach where it addresses the behaviors as well as the nutrition so that's fantastic i'm interested to know clearly we're talking about talking good so <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be a, wouldn't be an, it wouldn't be an episode <laughs> <laughs> that's my uh, mistake for the show um so we've spoken about you know some of the the ways that we can implement good changes i'm curious to know you know what do you think the number one reason people fail when it comes to getting their children to love and choose eating healthy and nourishing kinds of food oh i think i think the biggest thing that happens with parents is we just sort of get you get tired, you get stressed, you get overwhelmed, um, and and you think that in that in that moment when you're feeling tired and stressed and overwhelmed, it's really easy to want to just take the quick fix. You know, like the easiest way then to get in that moment, the easiest way to get your kids to get that food into them is to you know is to bribe them, is to nag yeah. them, is to um, you know berate them, or you know whatever it happens to be, is is to just try and get that food into your kids because you just got to get it in so that you can get them into bed so that you can actually have a rest because you're exhausted. You know, mm-hmm. and every parent goes through that, and that's perfectly okay and that's perfectly normal. Okay, and do you know what? Sometimes that still happens, even in my household. You know, that's still. You know, I've got a whole section in this book which is like the seven things not to do. And one of the first things I say in the book is that I've done all seven of these <laughs> things and I will do all seven of these things again, yeah. right? Because I'm not perfect either. But it's understanding that, 
you know, if you, if you can actually just sort of step back from that a little bit and realize, you know what, if I do just invest this little bit more time and effort now and do that on a, you know, on a consistent basis, then it does get easier. And, and so then rather than having that same stress, that same battle, that same conflict every single dinner time, you can actually, by investing that little bit of time at the start, you can create an environment where it doesn't have to be that hard, it doesn't have to be that stressful, and it doesn't have to be that much of a battle between you and your kids. You can actually get on the same page and be helping each other, nourish each other, um, and, and just create a totally different conversation around dinner time. Brett, one of the things that's pretty tough uh, is when you go out to a pub, take the family, yeah. and what do you see on the kids' menu most yeah. typically? Uh, yeah. Deep fried, chicken, chicken nuggets, nuggets yeah. chips, uh, the... Artificial schnitzels and all that kind of crazy caper. What's your tips for getting around that without being a stickler? With with very few exceptions, you know, you just don't order from the kids' menu. So I I basically never order from the kids' menu. So typically, if I'm at the pub like that, usually you can get something pretty simple like steak and veg. Usually it's like steak, veg and potato or steak, salad and chips. And so what I say to them is, do you reckon I could get steak, veg, and salad instead of the chips or the potato? And most of the time, they're pretty cool with that. So what I then do is I just order one serve of steak, veg, and salad, and I split it. I just say, can I get an extra plate? Because I'm going to split it between my two kids, and I split it between the two kids, and that's what we do. Meat, salad, veg. Pretty easy, and they're pretty happy with that. And do you know what? They, I think they kind of like it because they're eating the same thing everyone else yeah. is. It's usually the same thing I'm eating. And so they're kind of happy with that, that they're eating the adult food. Grown-up food for the win, hey? Yeah. <laughs> so, Brett, you've written this amazing book. How is it going to be available? And also, what are you hoping the impact of the book would, will be? What would you like to see? Well, it, it's available on my website now. Um, so you can go to my website, drbretthill.com uh, forward slash shop. And you'll find that book and and all my other ebooks there. Um, You know, in terms of the impact that I hope it has, you know, the story I told earlier about the child who had then been able to eat the chicken and the salad and the vegetables, I kind of like got that feedback and I was like, you know what, job done. Like, if that is the only impact my book has, is that that one child now eats more than just bread and pasta. Mm. Like, I'm so happy with that. Like, I'm literally like goosebumps as I'm saying that because that's. That's more than I could ever possibly hope for. You know, to help one kid eat healthier, that's huge. That, that's a massive, massive thing for that kid and for that family. Um, and so, you know, if, if there's more than one kid that that happens to, that'd be even better. Um, so, you know, if, if people love this book as much as I do and, you know, if, if the feedback that we've gotten so far has been any indication that then people do, then I'd, I'd love them to share that with more and more people so that, you know, more and more people can get a chance to purchase this book and can get exposed to the information within the book. And, and hopefully, you know, lots of kids are growing up healthier. You know, I mean, my, my ultimate goal, my ultimate goal with this book is, is quite a selfish one. And that is that I've got two beautiful little kids who are going to grow up in this world. And I know that I'm going to be an influence on them, but I'm only one of many influences on them. And so my ultimate goal is to try and create a world where my kids grow up where there's not as much peer pressure to be unhealthy. You know, where we're, we're eating healthy, where being healthy is much more of the norm. And so they grow up in an environment that really supports their healthy lifestyle choices and, and helps my kids grow up in a happy, healthy world. That, that's what I'd love to happen. That sounds pretty amazing. And um, what an, a wonderful goal to have, you know, a country that's recognised for its health rather than its obesity as well. Yeah.
So I'm going to give you a curly one to finish on, Brett. Nice. You've mentioned that the book is amazing, clearly for kids. Yeah. Um, adults will probably get something from it too. Yeah. Is there any advice or any benefit for you know someone like me who's an auntie of of little people? You know, will I get yeah. benefit from it? Absolutely. Yeah. Because because you can use all of these strategies with your nieces and nephews, right? So the great thing is that you can then be teaching your nieces and nephews why they should love themselves, why they should nurture themselves, you know, what their goals are and how it's going to help them achieve that. Um, and the best thing about that is you're not then having to lecture to their parents. You know, you're not then having to say, well, what this is right, that's wrong. You're just asking them a few questions, giving them the opportunity to figure out for themselves what they'd like to do. Um, and if that filters back to their parents and they get home and say, hey, mum and dad, you know, can we try this, can we try that, maybe I'd like to do something different... Well, then that's great. Uh, and if it means that, you know, one thing I would say is, you know, don't tell the parents how to do their job because yeah. that never goes down well. Right? <laughs> so, you know, you can have these conversations, but, you know, but just be mindful of the fact that you're not their parent and that their parents are still ultimately going to be the ones making these decisions. Um, but if that means that their parents come to you with questions, you know, that's your time to shine. You know, you kind of, but you've got to wait for that opportunity to be able to do it. But, but with the kids, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with talking to kids about how certain you know, how certain foods are going to fuel them better, how certain foods are going to help them do the things they love doing better. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with sharing great information with kids about how eating healthy is going to help them get what they want out of life. So all those strategies definitely apply, and, and the ripple effect it can have is, is huge. Well, it's certainly pretty exciting, Brett, and, and what's really evident is the passion that you have for this yep. book, and mm-hmm. reading the book, that comes through. I mean, you, you flick through the book, and you think, geez, this is good stuff. And it really does inspire you to, to take action, to prioritise the health of your kids so that they have successful and, and abundant health later on in life. So thanks very much for, uh, for sharing it with us today. Yeah, and good luck. We can't wait to see it fly off the virtual shelf. Thanks, guys. I'm just going to find my outro because I was thinking you're going to do it, but then I've just realised that I still have to do it. <laughs> I, I used to just let Steve and Sarah do all this stuff. Surprise. Now I have to actually do some work. So, so until next week... Head to the website to get the book, drbretthill.com forward slash shop. Join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com. And let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. We hope you enjoyed this Wellness Catch podcast brought to you by Audible. Do you find that you just don't have time to read all the awesome books that you hear mentioned on the Wellness Couch? Well, Audible might just have the answer. Audible is offering the Wellness Couch listeners a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can get books like Eat Right for Your Blood Type, Why We Get Fat by Gary Torps, Paleo Diet for Athletes, or even The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash The Wellness Couch. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash The Wellness Couch for your free audiobook. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.